Hey, this is Matt Stacy, youth pastor at New Life, and this is our podcast. I hope that the preaching and teaching you listen to here encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with God. This podcast is a ministry of New Life, and as such, is completely free to the listener. That being said, if you feel led to give to this ministry, we want to make that available to you. You can text GIVE to 833-793-0451. You can also give online through the Tithely app by searching New Life Tabernacle. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. Thank you for another opportunity in your house, Jesus. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. We are, we are going to embark on a new journey tonight. We're still studying the book of Revelation. Um, but as you can see, I have misplaced my iPad. And so I'm going to be teaching from... Uh, a computer tonight and it just so happens that all of this happened as I tried to uh, prepare a PowerPoint for us tonight there are people that are visual learners and I wanted to add that addition uh, to my teaching and I worked really hard on it all day and then I almost we almost didn't get it accomplished but brother Matthew is a miracle worker by the help of the Lord. And he was able to get it up there. So we're going to hope that this uh, is successful tonight. And it just vanished. Praise the Lord. Revelations 9. We're going to go ahead and let's, let's pray about this and then we're going to dive right in. Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity in your house to hear your word, to study your word. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. Open up our understanding tonight. Let the seed of your word fall on good ground. Help me to teach in a way that you can anoint. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, we, well, I guess it was two weeks ago. Last week was General Conference. We studied chapter 8, and the intense chaos that is going to take over the world at that time, it's going to be unleashed upon the world. We have seen seven seals uh, be broken, seven seals of judgment. Each one of those seals brung a specific judgment onto the world. And then with the seventh seal came seven trumpets. And chapter 8, that's what we dealt with. We, we saw four of those trumpets uh, and the judgments that those brought. Absolutely devastating. If you're alive, uh, if you've been left behind and you're in the world uh, at that time. We talked about how asteroids or meteorites uh, are going to hit the sea, damage a third of the seas, destroy the ships. Um, and the creatures that are in the sea. And then another one's going to hit the earth and it's going to poison uh, the water supply at the time. 
And so the people on, that are left on the earth are going to be reeling. They're going to be in trouble. They're not going to, they're not going to know where to turn. And at the end of chapter eight, there was this, um, warning that goes forth from an angel. It was, it's called a triple woe. He, he issues a triple warning. And essentially what he's saying is the worst is yet to come. And that's the last thing you want to hear if you're alive and on the world or in the world at that time, that the worst is yet to come. And that leads us to what we're going to dive into tonight. Um, before we get into chapter 9, I want to kind of lay a foundation. We're going to talk just a little bit about the truth about demons and the devil. Because there's a lot of misinformation um, in this area. We're living in a day where Christians have uh, now become smarter than the Word of God. And depending on which, which Christian you come across and talk to, a popular view today is that the devil is not an actual fallen angel or enemy of our soul, but the devil is, uh, the language that they use is, is he's an idea or an illusion, um, that he is, he's a, he's representative of all of the evil that is in the world, but he doesn't actually exist. The truth is, however, he does exist. He is very real. Uh, the forces of hell are very real. There's some things that we have to understand about him. The first thing that we've got to understand is that he's not all powerful. They are not all powerful. They are not omnipresent. They're not all knowing. Um, but he is real. And scripture teaches us that the goal of Satan and the demonic forces is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And personally, I believe that one of the, one of the greatest tricks that Satan has ever pulled on believers and on this world is convincing people that he doesn't actually exist. Because if you don't believe that there's a demonic world, that there's demonic influence out there, um, then you're fall prey to all kinds of traps of Satan. So I think that that is one of the greatest uh, tricks, if you will, that the devil has pulled. Another popular uh, fallacy, heresy that comes along when talking about um, demons is uh, people, it's very popular today, when you read the Gospels and you're dealing with the demonic uh, powers that are in the Gospels and you look at people that have been possessed and delivered, uh, people are reading now the Gospels and they're saying that they weren't actually possessed by demons or devils, that they were just struggling with a psychological problem, a psychological disease. And so they kind of put their own spin on the Word of God, and they're trying to explain away some of the supernatural elements of the Word of God. But we know that people were actually possessed, and Jesus did actually deliver them from the powers of hell. Always want to mention, every time I bring up this subject, every time this subject of, of devils and demons comes up, I always want to mention, I never want to forget to do it, that we should not be spending too much time thinking about the devil or talking to the devil. It always kind of makes me chuckle whenever I, I hear somebody and they're like, I woke up and I told the devil A, B, and C. 
And I just spoke to him. And I'm just like, my Lord, why are we having conversations with Satan? That's that's not a great way to start out your day. And I don't think that he's somebody that I want to talk to or any demonic power. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you, you hear people, and, and, I, and I, know, I think preachers mean well, but they get inspired, and they're like, you need to tell the devil, you know, and I'm like, I actually don't have any desire to have a conversation with him. He knows where he stands, and so I, I really believe that we, we too often give the devil way too much attention. Some of our songs, even, we sing about, you know, stepping on the devil and that kind of stuff. And I get it, and I I understand the urge, but the truth is I want to give glory to Jesus, not necessarily glory uh, to the devil. I I don't really want to give him any attention. So, always want to mention that. Let's dive into chapter 9 tonight of our, we are in our 17th lesson of Revelation Chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to actually cover all the way to 12 tonight, but we're going to start out looking at verses 1 and 2. That's a picture. I, um, I, it's interesting. I just typed into Google Revelation chapter 9, and you would be blown away by how many artists have tried to come up with a rendering. So here we have an angel blowing the fifth trumpet. Let's see what the Word of God has to say. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So here John is, he is experiencing the fifth trumpet. He sees a star fall from heaven to the earth and a key is given to him uh, to the bottomless pit. So the first question we need to answer tonight is who is the star that's being talked about? Now already if you've been following along in the book of Revelation, there have been several stars that have been mentioned Uh in chapter 8, there were, a, there were a couple of stars that were mentioned. We talked about how a star was going to hit the sea, and we talked about how, uh, according to context, um, that was most likely a meteorite or an asteroid of some kind. And then also the Bible says that a flaming star uh, hit the earth and poisoned certain water sources. Same thing, due to the context, we would say, that those stars were probably meteorites or asteroids. When we approach this topic, uh, though, and we see a star mentioned in this verse, it's important. Context is the most important thing when you're reading Scripture. It's always the most important thing. The most important thing is not how I feel about the Bible or, or what the Bible, I feel like the Bible is saying to me. The most important thing when you're studying the Word of God is what is the context so that I can get what the original writer was trying to say to us. Here the context leads us to a symbolic interpretation. Now, I've pointed out before, as often as possible when you read the Bible, you're going to try to come to the literal interpretation. But there are times when the text give us the key for a symbolic interpretation. If I've already got it up here, the key to the symbolic interpretation here is the word him. He was given keys to the bottomless pit. So we know that this star was not a meteorite or asteroid. This is actually a being of some kind. 
Uh, now, there is some debate, some argument on as to who this uh, star actually is. Everyone agrees, uh, essentially, that this is some kind of angel. Uh, few agree on what angel it is. Some think it's the devil. Some think it's one of the devil's lieutenants. I even heard someone argue that they believe this is actually a good angel. Um, we're, we're on the star still, Brother Matthew. We'll get there. I've got more notes here than what I've got up up there is the problem. So, good, bad, or indifferent? Well, it's obviously not indifferent. There's no such thing as a neutral angel. Either they're serving uh, Jesus or they're fighting against him. And so that leaves us to, is this a good angel or is this a bad angel? I believe that this is either Satan or it's one of his lieutenants um, that is given the keys to this bottomless pit, so that's where Aya stand over it. He's given authority over this pit, and he's in charge of opening it. Now we can go to the bottomless pit. So we go to the bottomless pit here. The, the word for bottomless is abusos, and it's trans, transliterated as abyss. And what does that mean? It means without a base or bottom. Bottomless pit. That's where we get it. It's mentioned in Luke 8 and 38 where Jesus says that this is the abode of demons. Uh, it's, this is found seven times in the book of Revelation. Apparently, this bottomless pit is where demons, uh, wicked angels, are imprisoned and kept. And this is also the place where Satan is going to be kept um, for all eternity. John then sees this pit open up as uh, and as it's opening up, he sees smoke coming out of the pit, and it's so thick and so much that it actually blots out all of the light. So if you're watching this this key unlock this pit and the door opens up or whatever it is that that is unlocked opens up, you see immediately so much smoke that is coming out of the pit. You, you might think of, uh, a volcano if you've ever seen pictures, uh, of a volcano. If we could go to the next slide. Pictures of a volcano. Um, well, actually, I wanted to put that up there. I saw this picture. It says, bottomless pit, 65 feet deep. And so, and I saw that and I thought that was hilarious because people are arguing, people are arguing and they're debating over what is bottomless. And Brother Jeff, I just feel like bottomless might be bottomless. I don't know. And so I'm not sure that you can put 65 feet deep and then have bottomless pit above it. So anyhow, I think that I'm going to trust the Bible. I think it's probably a bottomless pit um, that they are uh, trapped in, imprisoned in. And so we've got smoke coming out of it. Next slide. So the pit is opened up and uh, you've got smoke coming out. And yeah, there we go. So we've got smoke coming out. This is probably, this is a volcano here. So this is probably kind of what John is seeing, except it's so thick that it actually block, you can see, you can see kind of the light there, but it actually would block out the light. And, uh, if you can imagine being in a near that volcano or near a forest that's on fire and actually ashes are raining down on you. That's kind of the experience that John is seeing. Interestingly enough, the fact that smoke is coming out of 
this pit it is evidence, if you will, that, that there is a literal fire in hell. Because there are those today, we, we, got, we have Christians with funny beliefs about the Word of God. If you ever have to wonder, if you're ever scratching your head after somebody gets done teaching or preaching over a scripture, and you're like, man, how in the world did they get that out of there? Most likely they didn't get it out of there, they put it in there. And so you got to be really careful for those. Uh, hell is a very real place, and there is real fire there. And I think that the fact that the place where the demons are being kept uh, is unlocked, and smoke comes rising, so much smoke that it actually blots out the light that is left, I think that's pretty solid evidence for there being literal fire. Um, something cool that I wanted to point out uh, in regards to this pit is that According to Scripture, this is real and it's in existence today. Sometimes we don't think about that. But there is somewhere on this earth a pit that is locked. And that it is the housing place, the, the prison, if you will, for the demonic forces that are going to be unleashed. We don't know where it's at. Actually, um, whenever I was, I loved to read when I was growing up. Anybody ever heard of Frank Peretti? Well, he's a Christian author, and he can scare you to death. I'll just, I'll just put it that way if you've never heard of Frank Peretti. But he wrote uh, young adult books, and one of the first books that he wrote, he actually wrote a, a series. Of, it's about a father and his two kids, and they're um, explorers, if you will. And they actually end up, according to Frank Peretti, finding this pit, and it almost gets unlocked before its time and unleashes those demonic cords. But... Uh, I won't tell you how it all ends, so just in case you want to read that uh, that book. But needless to say, that's probably not going to happen. In fact, I know that it's not going to happen. It's going to stay hidden until Jesus is ready for it. But at the end of days, uh, at this point in um, the history of the world, it'll be opened, and we're going to see tonight what's going to happen as it is opened up. Let's read verses 3 through 6. Chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. So if you're following along, uh, out of this uncontrollable smoke that is coming out of the pit, if you're there that day, all of a sudden, you're going to see coming out of the smoke, the most terrifying figure that you've ever seen in the history of the world. I promise you tonight, you do not want to be left behind. You want to be out on the first trip, uh, the rapture of the church. Out of this smoke comes what John could only describe as locusts. And we're getting ready to find out that uh, calling them locusts doesn't actually even come close to describing the horror 
but he called them locusts because there are some similarities. Locusts are destroyers of land and vegetation. Can we look at the next slide? So this is, this is a poor man who is being surrounded. I can't even imagine. He is being surrounded by locusts. The blurry, what looks like blurriness is locusts all around him. Um, and it's eaten up his crop. This is what's left after a crop, after the locust gets a hold of it. Not much. Locusts eat everything in vegetation. They're destroyers of land and vegetation. They fly as hordes and they leave destruction in their wake. So John compares what he sees coming out of the smoke uh, to be like locusts. But these, what John sees, are not ordinary locusts. In fact, I would I think the, the scripture would argue that they're not insects at all, and we're, as we're going to soon see. God gave them power to sting. Uh, regular locusts can't hurt people, but these locusts can. They, they are, uh, according to scripture, they attack people and not vegetation. Locusts attack vegetation, not people. These are going to come out of the smoke and they're going to attack people and not vegetation. They're given power to sting. And it's interesting, not only do they attack people and not vegetation, but actually they are forbidden to attack vegetation and they're ordered to torment the humans that are on the earth, but not just any humans. Glory be to God. If you're left behind, there is still hope that uh, you can become one of them that are marked on the forehead by our Almighty God. And the Scripture says that they are not to touch those uh, that are saved. So these are this is to target only those that are unsaved, not those that are saved. So the 144,000 uh, that are saved of the Jewish community and those that they reach um, are going to be protected from this particular judgment that is going to hit the earth. They were given permission um, to torment, but they were not given permission to kill, which, as we're going to discover, may be actually worse. Imagine getting stung, and I hate whenever I was putting these notes together, I was actually getting, uh, I was shaking a little bit. I hate things that sting, anything that stings, really. Wasps are the worst. That's what gets my heart beating really fast. Can't stand them. But really anything that stings, wish my grandparents were here tonight. I have an awful memory of being at their house um, and used to, it's actually not so bad anymore, but used to their house, uh, it was like landmines. Like you would just, there would be scorpions and you would end up stepping on. It wasn't safe to walk around barefoot. And I actually stepped on one of them one night at their house and it traumatized me for the rest of my life. I still have not gotten over it. Um, I have woken up and uh, found one in the bed. Um, yes, traumatizing experiences, but that's, ha- that's, that's in the past. Thank God we don't find them very often anymore at Papa and Mima's house. Um, so I can't stand anything that stings. But imagine getting stung not just once, but several times a day for five months. Five straight months, constantly getting stung every day. I, what, I'm not sure that you can come up. Someone I was reading said this is one of the most bizarre chapters in all of the Bible. I'm not sure that you can come up with a worse form of torture. I've heard of death by a thousand paper cuts. 
I don't know if being stung several uh, times a day, every day for five months, um, may be the worst judgment. This is, this is nothing to play games with or to play around with. It's not going to be a great time on the earth if we're left behind. And again, I think of those people that, that, um, they kind of, they're a little bit arrogant and they think to themselves, you know, I'll live how I want to now and then I'll, I'll make it. Uh, through the um, apocalypse, I'll make it through the great tribulation and I'll end up being saved that way. I've got news for you. There's some, there's stuff coming that it's, it's not going to be a, a grand time for anyone that is left behind. In fact, uh, at the end there, they say that these people are wanting death. They're looking for death, but death flees from them. So the stings are affecting them so badly that it's actually leaving them immobile. And they want suicide, but they don't even have the ability to commit suicide. That's terrible, folks. That's a terrible situation uh, to be in. That's the world that is waiting for people that are left behind. Let's look at verses 7 through 11. Hopefully, y'all are following along with the slideshow and it isn't too much of a distraction. I'm trying to, I would like to eventually also be able to give y'all handouts. Um, I want to add to these lessons to make sure that we're getting all that we can out of uh, the Wednesday night Bible studies. Let's look at verses 7 through 11. And the shapes of the locusts, and this is, this is actually the most bizarre, because whenever we discover what these demonic locusts actually look like, uh, just horrifying in its scope. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. So here we are. The demonic horde is revealed. It's revealed what they look like, their appearance. Verse number 7 says that they are shaped like, if we could go to the next slide, they are shaped like horses ready for battle, crowns like gold on their heads, faces like men. Uh, verse 8 says they have hair like women, teeth like lions. Uh, verse 9, breastplates of iron. Their wings sounded like chariots on their way to war. Uh, verse 10 says that their tails had stingers like scorpions, and they were given permission to torment men for five months. Torment them, not kill them. Uh, advance it one more time, Brother Matthew. This is somebody's drawing of what that would actually look like. Is that not just terrifying? That's awful. So imagine you're John, 
and you see these demonic hordes that are just rushing out of the smoke, looking a lot like this creature. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's a perfect representation of what it's going to be like, but that's one artist's rendition of it. Uh, just an awful, awful thing. You look at how this thing looks like a horse ready for battle, gold on their heads, faces like men. I think that might be one of the scariest parts, hair like women. In other words, it's saying it's got long, long hair, teeth like lions. Can you imagine the face of a man, but teeth like lions? Breastplates of iron, they are coming out of this place ready for war. They've been preparing for war since the moment that they fell um, thousands of years ago. Their wings, as they approach, sound like chariots on their way to war. Just talk about just the terrifying aspects of this creature and the, the fact that they are given power to sting continually, torment continually, but not to kill. I don't want to be around um, any time. The king, they actually have a king that's over in charge. It's a leader that's in charge of them. The Bible gives him a name, Abaddon or Apollyon, and the meaning of both of those names, one's Hebrew, one's Greek, both of them mean destroyer, the destroyer. And so the destroyer comes forth, comes out of the flames with his armies uh, and terrifies the earth. Where we're at right now in our study of um, the end time, our study of Revelation, I think I can say that this is the worst judgment yet that has been poured out upon the earth. And I don't want to be anywhere around. I want to be in heaven when this is taking place upon uh, the earth. You don't want to be left behind. It's not a joke. I think that we should, and, and again, studying Revelation should not make us fearful, right? Because if we're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, living a pleasing life under the Lord, we are sealed, the Bible says. We're sealed with His Spirit. And we're going to uh, be raptured up with the rest of the church whenever He comes back for His people. But those that are left behind are going to have to face this. This is a reality. This is going to be a reality for people. A reality for somebody. Whenever you're dealing with friends and family members, now we're not, I'm not telling you to be overbearing. I'm not telling you to beat them over the head with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I am telling you to be praying for moments to be able to witness to your friends and to your family about the truth because you don't want them left behind. There is a reality facing those that do not uh, go with the church when the church is raptured up. We don't want to be a part of any of that. Um, in closing, four things I want to I want to mention. Four things to remember about the demonic world because I understand when we're when we talk about that, the reality of a of a demonic world. The reality of a demonic world. It's easy to get uncomfortable. It's easy to start thinking about this stuff, and it's easy to start uh, looking for the demonic world around every corner. So I want to I want to deal with this um, for just a minute tonight uh, in closing. We're going to let you out quicker than we typically do. Four things to remember about the demonic world. Number one, I want you to remember that it is real. I, I, we, we, there, we have to have a balance, right? 
It's important that we don't always go around chasing the demonic, but that we know that it is real. You don't believe the lie that there is no demonic world out there. There is, and it is very, it's very real. And it seeks to subvert God and to destroy souls. That's the goal of Satan and his armies even today, even before we get to Revelation 9. So what am I saying? What do we do with that information? You need to protect your home from that influence. Understand that there is an influence behind everything. Pay attention to what you are allowing into your home, what you're allowing to influence your life and to what you're, what's influencing your family life. Those that live as if there is no devil, they don't care about anything that they bring in their home because they don't believe there's anything attached to it. But I believe that there are things that have been influenced by Satan to destroy your home. And whenever we allow those things into our house, um, it's interesting. I, I just taught at, uh, I, I taught at, um, Oklahoma's youth, uh, training event trying to help uh, youth workers understand how to connect students to apostolic doctrine, one of the things I pointed out to them is you've got to use admissions from the culture. Did you know that there are quite a few, it's not a small number, quite a few of entertainers and musicians and singers that won't allow, even Hollywood, uh, that won't allow their children to listen or watch their works? Madonna would not allow her children to watch her music videos, but she'll sell her stuff to your children and to your family and corrupt your home. Clint Eastwood, famously, he's known. Did you know that Clint Eastwood would not allow his children to watch any of his movies? He said that, that I, I can't remember the exact word, if it was they were too intense or what was the word he used, but he was protecting his family from the influence that he had in those films. But he has no problem selling that stuff to our children and to our families. Am I knocking all entertainment? No. There is good, quality, wholesome entertainment out there. But there is entertainment that is not wholesome and that will influence your family in a negative way, and that is the intent of Satan. So I want us to remember that it is real. The demonic world is real. The next thing, number two, it's organized. We wrestle not, the Bible says, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this present world. That's who we are wrestling against, not flesh and blood, which means whenever we look out into society today, we need to remember that there are influences behind what's going on in America and our world. Pay attention to those influences. What's taking place in our world is not taking place by accident. I said those two things only to lead us to number three, which is such an important fact about the demonic world, and that is it is limited. It's limited, which goes back to what I said earlier. We are not to focus our attention constantly on the demonic world and looking for demons around every corner and the devil made me do this and the reason I had a flat tire was because the devil popped my tire and we shouldn't do that. The devil and his forces are limited in power. They're not all powerful. They're not all knowing. Uh, they can't be all places at once. They can only be at one place at one time. Um, and it's important that we realize it. They're limited. 
Last, but definitely not least, I want us to remember when we think about the demonic world that Jesus is in control. That's the most important thing. That's the thing that we've got to remember. Sister Melanie, if you'd like to come to the piano. Jesus is in control. When we read what happens in Revelation 9, when we think about what happens in our world today, when we think about the influences that are at work in our world today, we can take heart and know that Satan is not in control. Demonic hordes are not in control. Jesus is in control. And as long as you're on his side, that's the goal, right? It's not wondering whose side Jesus is on. It's making sure that we're on Jesus's side. And as long as we're on Jesus's side, we have no choice but to win. We have no choice but to triumph and to have victory. You don't have to worry about whether or not your children are going to live for God as long as you put them in Jesus' control and you, through the help of the Lord, guard your home. Protect your home. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. Your Well, we've got, you know, the devil's at work and, and his, his demons are out in the world and they're taking young people and they're pulling them away from the faith. They're working, but Jesus is in control. And they have no power except the power given to them by Jesus, which means that we have all the power. Jesus is in control. We don't have to worry about whether or not we can keep living for God. My Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have nothing to fear tonight. I wonder if you could stand. We have nothing to fear tonight. Because we know who's in control. We serve who's in control. We give glory and honor to Jesus every day that we live. When you wake up in the morning, your goal, how can I give glory to God? You know, people try to box in giving glory to God to a certain, well, I can't give glory to God unless I'm preaching or unless I'm singing or got some kind of ministry like that. That's not true. Raising your family in a godly home, that's giving glory to God. Being a Christian while working on your job, that's bringing glory to God. Young people, being a good student, getting good grades, being an influence, a godly influence on your friends, that's bringing glory to God. That's how we bring glory to God. And we ought to look for ways every day to bring glory for God, to take attention away from the devil, stop focusing on on him and his legions of, of, of demonic powers and start focusing on glory and giving glory to God. I wonder if tonight, if we could find a place to pray and we could just thank him one more time for being able to be in his kingdom, for being able to be a part of his bride. Can we do that? Can we find a place to pray tonight?